It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Hello, everybody. This is the Untold Story Podcast, and I'm Martha McCallum. I'm really thrilled to have with me today Dr. Drew Pinsky. You know, everybody knows Dr. Drew, but just by way of a little bit of background for those of you who might not, he's originally a board-certified physician, an internist. He's a nationally known, globally known addiction specialist, New York Times bestselling author, podcaster, host of shows Ask Dr. Drew, Dr. Drew After Dark. Dr. Drew podcast. So I'm thrilled to have you with us today. We ran into each other when we were both talking to Brian Kilmeade, which I do every Wednesday, and it was great to see you there. And there's a number of of things that I want to talk to you about, really with the broad headline of anxiety, Mm. what's going on in the country, what's going on with our kids, Mm. and, and how to kind of tackle that. So oh obviously boy. that's a huge, oh, no problem. huge, huge <laughs> Solve anxiety undertaking. Um, but it's great to have you here. First. Thank Welcome. You, I, I appreciate it so much. I've been wanting to talk to you for quite some time. So it's a, my pleasure. Well, thank you. Um, you know, I, I guess one of the original headlines that really caught our attention was the anxiety that we see among girls, right? Oh, yeah. 57% of girls say that they're persistently sad or hopeless. That number was at 29% 10 years ago. Um, During that time, I raised a daughter of my own. So I I understand, you know, the anxiety that is weighing on these kids. And I think so much of it stems from them being these sort of guinea pigs growing up in a social media world. Oh my God, yes. That none of us had to deal with. So they have all this fear of missing out and all this pressure. And you can even take it into, you know, drug use and fentanyl and all of this. So so, like, so yeah, I, I want to, it's such a broad topic. I want to try to zero in. And I don't want to, you to disclose anything your daughter would feel uncomfortable with, but is she informing you about what her experience is like? Has she sort of offered anything or is she closed think, about it? I think most moms, you know, you can just see it on their faces, yeah. you know? I mean, she's grown and um, she's doing really well, but I just feel like with all watching all of my kids who are all in their 20s during this period of experimentation, Mm -hmm, right, mm -hmm. where I I kind of equate it to, you know, when when my parents were growing up, everyone thought it was really cool to smoke and all teenagers smoked. Cigarettes. Now when you say smoke. Yeah, no, it could be anything, right? (laughs) Um, So I feel like this massive experiment happened over the last 10, 15 years. 100%. And we didn't know how to handle it, but now we know it's dangerous. Yes. So my question is, I really want to focus on solutions because I think we spend a lot of time going, oh my God, what a mess. Well, we have, we have to sort of look at the source though. So I, yeah. I see three major themes that have emerged. Obviously all the data on Instagram is in as it pertains to girls, for sure. I mean, I, I think you mentioned tobacco. I think we will look at these screens soon enough as we look at tobacco now. I agree. It's the same thing. It's, I it's, completely agree. And, I, and this may be even more destructive than tobacco itself. Uh, so the social crutch, right? And all the corporate heads have had to testify in front of Congress, just like the tobacco leaders had to do right. at some point. I think there are so many analogies. Go yeah, ahead. beyond. And so we're going to have to we're going to have to limit it somehow. I, I have colleagues and friends that uh, work in the field. There are psychologists now that just work in the field of particularly adolescent females and particularly the impact of uh, the screens. 
And those professionals always tell me that their own kids, they limit it to one hour a day, period, end of story. And there's no question about it. And uh, so they think they're having a good impact that way. It's so hard to know. It's not just what your kids are doing and seeing. It's what the other kids show them at school. You know, the average age of porn exposure is now nine. And we have no idea what the impact of that is on a developing brain. I mean, if we showed that we had extraordinary images that we exposed developing primates of any biological source to would be surprised it would affect the trajectory of their of their development. So the screens, obviously, I mean, I think. What you do, I, you know, as always, I, I sort of stand back and go, look, I, I don't make the laws, but somebody needs to do something, and uh, it'd be nice if they did. Screens. Number two, uh, lockdown and COVID. Uh, that absolutely accelerated everything. The, the children were told that the world is coming to an end. Their family's going to be destroyed. If they breathe fresh air, they're going mm. to die. This was so – I, I, when they rolled out their fear-based – consciously fear-based policies, I just was, I was apoplectic because I knew the mental health impact and they were not considering it. They did no risk-reward analysis whatsoever as they marched through what was essentially a pandemic ink war game that they'd already worked out and then put it on steroids and then perpetrated that on the entire world, strangely enough. I get that we're crazy, but the world adopted this and, uh, Guess what? You're dealing with the aftermath of that now. Good news I hear on that front, though, is I'm hearing particularly in sort of middle school age, young high school, there's a social hunger out there, which is a healthy thing, which the millennials and the and the older Gen Zs don't really have. They, they're actually, they sort of miss the window for a normal development of the skill set of socializing and dating. These things that they were, they were sort of uh, they had a double whammy. First was Me Too, so the young males got scared and didn't want to be seen as aggressive or hurtful or anything. They wanted to be good people, you know. And then they uh, then they got the lockdown, which was the you know sort of a uppercut to the final punch in the face. And they became accustomed to sort of uh, retreating to porn and screens and all this stuff. And they girls were I'd like to have a relationship, but that's difficult. That's hard. I don't. They're tough. They they don't like men. They don't like me. I don't know how to navigate that, and off they go. And for the first time in my career, I'm hearing young males talk about prostitutes. I've been talking to kids about their sexuality for a long time and healthy relationships. First time prostitutes are coming into the conversation. So something is going sideways. In what that way? way? What are they saying? They are going. They're, They're frequenting, frequenting. The services of prostitutes. They are particularly sort of the, the um, massage parlor type stuff. Yeah. Uh, never heard that before. Wow. I, and all of a sudden, I'm hearing about that. Hmm. Well, it goes somewhere. Something's got some, you know, human energy goes. <laughs> Male energy goes, too. And, and they're angry and they're sad, too. Men are also. The males are. Absolutely. Uh, and then finally, there's this sort of third category. I'm actually going down to Washington in two days. I've always been agnostic about cannabis and the uh, laws around it. I, I just don't feel like that's my job. I, I knew that there would be consequences of legalization, and here we are. Uh, my own kids were, in spite of being an addictionologist, you're just a parent. My own kids, both two of my three, have been affected by this. Uh, it's my daughter actually going down to give a talk. She's 18 months sober, hasn't missed a meeting in a day ever uh, since she became sober. And she is like the light bulb went on that all the BS she was being fed about this drug in particular it is was sort of this ideological sort of framework that they're fed and forced. And she has woken up to the reality of what's going on here. 
and is now looking around going, oh, my God, what else are we being told that is just an ideas we're being fed and not reality, which is sort of another layer to this mental health thing, which is you have I've always said that that mental health is about being in reality, accepting reality on reality's terms and flexibly, adaptably um, regulating in the face of that. If you take kids and you, you put them in an ideological bubble, that's not reality and they get hurt. So three big topics yeah. underway. So screens, screens, COVID lockdowns, ideology, ideology, the um, you know rampant liberalization and legalization of pot all across the country. I mean, you can't walk up and down the street in New York without smelling it everywhere. Yeah, and, but to be fair, I, okay. I, I remain agnostic. agnostic. I, I have, I, I'm actually in favor of like, we don't, I don't want to put a bunch of people in jail. I don't like that. But I do not want us to be pretending that these things are okay. Right. Look on the streets. And you're saying the smell of cannabis, but the fentanyl, the heroin, all that is all part of the same ideological yeah. nonsense that is killing people. Yeah. So what do you hope to achieve when you go to Washington in a couple of days? I hope my daughter's story lands and that mm -hmm. the people just understand that until, until they start hearing it from relatable sources. Which is, again, by the way, what I kept saying with COVID, it's like, this is not how you change health behavior. You change health behavior by letting people who've experienced health issues tell their story. Not me in a white coat. Not you scaring the crap out of people. Right. Let this, the patient's stories. When we, when we study, I've, I've said this as long as I've been doing media. When, when we study uh, in medical school, we study cases. It's mm -hmm. how we learn. Experiential. And that's how the public learns as well. So that's my hope. I, I have no grand illusions that it's going to be you know, a huge, a huge mm -hmm. impact. But uh, it's her story. And, and I, I can't wait for her to tell it. She's a writer and she went to Columbia and you know, had all the... Well, mm. God bless you guys for sharing your story because I think people will can relate. If, if you know, your child had this problem... Everyone knows that any child can have this, this Absolutely. problem. Absolutely. Look, it's like saying if I'm, I'm an oncologist, how do my, ki exactly. my kid get cancer? No, so these analogy. are common illnesses. Absolutely. They're very common. Yeah. And, you know, just going back to the screens for a little bit, because I I feel like it's too late for I'm going to interrupt people. you because I just occurred to me. It's something I want to really want to point out. If any of you are struggling with kids with our, which are, you know, struggling with these issues and things, the one ingredient that I'm just so grateful for for my own kids and for my patients is willingness to participate in treatment. If you see a kid who's jumping into treatment, participating in treatment, treatment works, they're going to be fine. It might be a struggle, but it's going to keep going forward. So just if, if they're resistant to care, that's when people get into trouble. So I'm sorry I interrupted yeah, them. It's, an, it's a really important yeah. point. Thank you for making it. So I, I'm trying to sort of focus on this, this screen issue mm -hmm. um, because I think it is ancillary to all the others, right? Because you're right. It allowed people during COVID to kind of hunker down retreat. even more, yeah. retreat. They just have their faces in their screens all the time. They don't know how to communicate with other people. And it leads to, I think, a lot of these other issues that we're talking about as well. I feel like it's almost too late for a yeah. lot of young yeah. people. Well, mm. <laughs> Yeah, I hate to, I never, I just, no, I, 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 I'm an optimist, so I, I, I never I say that. I understand that. Yeah. You know, I mean, one of the... But it's going to be a struggle. That so <laughs> many parents, including myself, you know, we're all addicted to oh, looking at 100%. our phones. So how do you set an, a good example when you're also staring at it all the time? So I feel like, though, there is a an opening for parents with young children mm -hmm. to sort of recraft the way that we introduce 
them to this whole world yes, of screens for sure and to make it later and later and later i always tell people you know i remember kids when i was in high school saying oh my parents said that i'm going to get you know $2000 if i graduate from high school and i never smoke a cigarette so the Perfect. whole point of I, that i am i am right. Eve, people that have I, it's odd to me as somebody who works in the field of substance and change when people are uncomfortable with positive rewards and paying kids for doing the right thing right ladies and gentlemen that's okay. Yeah. Pay them to get better. Pay them to stay if well. It works. Pay them to there's there's a whole body of literature on paying patients to stay in treatment, to go to treatment. It works. And yes. same thing in terms of uh, uh, avoiding starting things. Right. Oh my God, do it. Why not? Why wouldn't so, you? And if you say, you know, I, I think there needs to be support among parents, you know, to say, look, we're not giving our child a, a smartphone, access to social media. Yeah. We're going to give them a little flip phone until they turn, I don't know, 15, something like that. And if you guys all are in, you know, in our friend group, this would be really helpful. Oh, and I think well, about... That's the other thing is keeping a community together. Totally. On this. That, but you that, think about Mothers Against Drunk Driving and how successful it was. And I was talking to Tristan Harris the other day who's um, at the uh, Center for Humane Technology... And he was saying, how about, you know, he, he, his title that he came up with was Mama, Mothers Against Media Addiction. Yeah, I love it. I, that's what I said to him. I'm like, that's a great idea. Let's, let's figure out how to, how to do that. And to Mama build- Mama Mia. To let's build- put an acronym on the Mia too. Exactly. Then you'll get sued <laughs> by Emma. <laughs> to build a community and, you know, go to schools and, and have sort of guidelines for young parents and mm. say, look, you know, sign up for these 10 things in your house. These are the, you know, no phones at the dinner table, no phones, you know, in church, no smartphone until you're 15, kind of contractual agreements among I, parents I, and I family. I knew that word was going to come out of your mouth. So I had think? I had that same enthusiasm around substances, right? I, I knew that was what you needed. As soon as that word came out of my mouth, contract, Yeah. I, I, I started bringing this up in seventh and eighth grade, and the lawyers amongst the parents became belligerently outraged. I'm not signing any contract. Then I'll get sued. And you're going to hold me to, uh, oh my God. Right. You would have thought I asked them to just sign the kid's life away. It was unbelievable. So there will be no contracts. I a promise com you. A compact. How about, an how about a, how, right. How about a, a, just a set of agreed upon goals right. and, and uh, uh, right. guidelines. That's all. No, no signing. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I do see a future where there are, you know, sort of, we have all these charter schools now. You have a lot of home schools where parents are getting together and making these kinds of packs. Yeah, I, let me tell you a little history here. I'm just laughing to yeah. myself because in that same meeting where I was talking about, you know, we agree, well, let's all agree we're not going to serve alcohol at a damn party. Come on. I mean, and, and I announced, I said, anybody does, I'm going to show up with the sheriffs because you are, you are liable and I will show up. I promise you. And my kids weren't invited to any parties after that. <laughs> but, but at the same meeting, it was early days of like, e-bombs world and MySpace and stuff. And I'm like, well, what do we do with the computer? There was no this tall, right. small screen yet. It was computers. And I'll never forget this. They had all kinds of guidelines about how many hours of homework and what hours they go to bed and what time they get up and what they should eat for breakfast. And I go, what about the screen? They go, mm -hmm. well, each family needs to decide for themselves. Exactly. I go, this is the one thing we don't know. No. Give us some guidelines on that. This is, we have no idea what's happening with this. And you refuse to give us guidelines on the one thing that we think is really impactful. 
Well, I'm sure now they have some ideas. Yeah. <laughs> but, but how odd for, for them to miss this. The Untold Story continues right after this. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You know what I find really odd when I talk to some parents who say, oh, well, I don't want my daughter to be left out. You know, all the kids are on it. I don't want her to miss out. All our well, friends are there. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, we're going to have to get some backbone on this issue, yeah, folks, because yeah. you can't be sucked into it just the way a, a, a 13-year-old is. Yes. It, you have to be the parent. It's, it, it is, it, well, it's the same thing as, you know, uh, partying and accepting certain kinds of partying at, at the home. It's like, it's like saying, uh, just as long as they drink in my house. Oh, yeah, no, no. That, that is where every alcoholic starts, in the home. And in it, it, every adverse health event you can measure in an adolescent, alcohol is always present always and so really that's you're going to allow that same thing with the screen uh and i'm sympathetic i get it it is their so it is their sort of uh social common square it's it's where they all are we need to make sure they're not there or they're only there for an hour or something mm -hmm. and uh, stop pretending that it's okay that they're there all the time i, I heard jennifer garner uh, the other day saying that she doesn't allow her kids to have to be on social media until they're 16 and mm -hmm. she said my oldest child is thanking me now it, they do thank you they do i've thank heard you. that too and but I it's said, a fight it's a I fight said my daughter went to a camp in maine in the summer for six weeks and they wouldn't allow anything right and she looked forward to that that opportunity when an older people say to them, you're not allowed. No one's allowed, you know, check your phone at the door. You'll get it in six weeks at the end of the summer. And they loved it. They like to well, be told these are the parameters, right? right? You, no one's going to have one. You're all going to look each other in the eyes and you're going to go swimming and you're going to have fun together and you're going to forget about it after a while. Like any addiction is, am I right? If you don't use it for a few days, it starts to Dissipate. Yes, it, it, it does. And you break the cycle. Nothing is more important than human connection, uh, especially at that age when they're really learning to navigate and develop the strategies around who am I in relation to other. It's so just it's just so crazy. Look, the human experience, we, we've been very focused on the brain for a long time, but the brain is embedded in a body and the body is embedded in a world. And humans are uniquely developed for socialization and the, and being a social animal. And if you obviate the, the skill or if you limit the contact, you not only put stand in the way of probably the most I mean, people that study success and all kinds of things. You see, you see the, the EQ, emotional intelligence, and the social intelligence is more important maybe than anything else, right, in terms of navigating and being in the world. But more importantly, and people miss this part, the self itself, the self emerges in the context of other humans. It's where the self emerges, where it comes from. And the capacity to have the ability to regulate emotions. That is, use it. we have satellite nervous systems that build that system of emotional regulation. It's well established. And both those things, we're talking about mental health, obviously are key to mental health. A full concept, a stable concept of self, which, by the way, in today's world where everything is like whatever and it's mm -hmm. fluid, that, that we used to always work on that to try to help people have a cohesive, solid. I don't care what the self is, but you need to not be shifting sands. That's uncomfortable and it's not effective way to regulate. And then the ability to regulate emotions is, is one of the fundamental sort of aspects of uh, 
mental health. Do you think, is there an age at which you think it's safe for kids to have phones, to start engaging in social media? It sounds like to, you're saying that the, the time limit you think is maybe the most important. Time part. limit, and I think that that's 16. It's a, that would be a battle to, to... A real battle. Yeah, to get it to 16. But if the, just like drugs, the more you can push it back, the better, the less the impact. Mm-hmm. A developing brain is plastic. The I more... see people who say like, oh, my toddler knows how to swipe oh, up. Geez. And I think to myself... Don't ever put a phone in a baby's hand. Yeah, but that, you are building yeah. that connection well, and the reaction that they get when they look at the phone from infancy. And who knows what they're going to get exposed to by accident or I, otherwise. Right. So yeah. I, I just think like this whole idea that it's cute for your kid to not know how to open no. up a phone at no. age one and a half no. is preposterous. Yeah. And I think, you know, at parents also, when you have little kids, you've got to, you can't be staring at your phone all the time. You can't have it at the dinner table. You can't, you know, cause we mm-hmm. all just have to kind of set parameters for each other. I, I need to go back to something that you said that was really disturbing to me earlier Uh-oh. on. Because, oh, don't mean to disturb you. Because, no, it's okay. That's, you know, that's why we're here to talk. But, you know, so one of the things that kids get exposed to is pornography, which you yeah. talked about. You talked about the difficulty for young men to connect. Yeah. And that... And, and, and it's more than... The connection piece is sort of both sexes. The male is needs to learn how to navigate. Men, men, we're not as fat, our facility in interpersonal relations is not as spontaneous, let's say. Yeah. We need to work on it a little bit. We have to have experience with it. And one of the things that I think is missing now between these kids and young people is just like flirting and- The whole thing. They just, I, listen, I back in the 90s, I used to rail against the hookup culture because it was it was getting in the way of dating, which I thought was such a healthy yeah. exchange. And the, in every room I went to from 1995 to 2010, schools all over the country, uh, the kids would, at the end of me sort of querying them, would go, uh, some woman would raise her hand and go, I wish somebody would just have a conversation with me. I'd go, yes. How about if they had a conversation over a meal? She'd be like, oh, my God, that'd be amazing. Yeah, we call it a date. That is a healthy thing. You learn who you are in relation to another person. You learn about other people. You learn how you feel and navigate. You learn the skill of dating. I, this That's long past. We've gotten way worse than, than just not sitting, talking, and relating. We are in our rooms on a screen and sheltering in place. And we're looking for someone who is over 5'9", or who is blonde, or who, like, the criteria is Uh, so crazy because I think... that's women doing that to themselves. I don't think men really do that that much. I mean, they maybe, I don't know, but some men do, but but they really would like connection, and they don't know how to get it. Yeah. Yeah. I I just think that, you know, when you're looking at someone's face, Mm. I mean, I would have probably swiped by... A lot of people I had, you know, important relationships with in my life, if I was basing it on height or, you know, political affiliation, any of this crazy stuff. It's like, what about when you look in someone's eyes and they're funny and they make you laugh and, you know, all these things that you don't even get a chance to get to on the screen? You know, you talked about prostitution and young boys. I don't know where that's going. That's brand new. That's hot off the presses. So what what were they saying to you in general, you know, in general? They were... Essentially, girls don't seem to need us. Mm-hmm. They don't value us. It's hard. I don't really. I've got my porn. They, that's a, that was where they were before. It's mm-hmm. like I'll just sort of, you know, I, I don't want to be seen as toxic masculine. I don't want to be seen as anything. And then they don't know how to, you know, sort of engage and get yeah. things going. Uh, and they are discouraged by dating apps because again, only a few percentage of the people who use dating apps have success, uh, success with it. Right. Uh, and so they don't. They're done with that. 
And they've actually, the other thing that's happening is by the way, they've gone off dating apps to social media DMs. That's the new thing. Instagram and Twitter are your new dating apps, which interesting. Like if you see someone on there and you say, you know, you just reach out to them with a DM. Hi, it, I'd yeah, like to chat. Yeah, you know, yeah talk a lot to of you. that. It was just a little better because people. That's how Megan and Harry met. Makes sense. <laughs> people, people are putting their lives in there. Uh, so their lives look interesting. Right. And, and, and I get that. But it is their best life. It's their curated totally. life. Totally. To be fair. And, and they just are desperate, the man. They just, they are feeling bad about themselves. Younger millennial males, I just hear it all the time. Is there anything that parents can do to leave, to help Get these them, kids? Yeah. The, the, the most disgusting words of the pandemic for me were shelter in place. Oh, gosh. I, I mean, that was just disgusting. That's what you do when a nuclear weapon is headed your way. It's not a pandemic, uh, infectious disease policy. Mm -mm. I just, I kept yelling at the mayor in Los Angeles, like, stop. Stop saying that. He'd say it every night in a press conference. It's like, just stop those words. It, it is it is hurting people. And it did. Um, devastating. And, yeah, devastating. And it is really just getting back out and getting them in there. Get them engaged in the world so they feel like they're doing something. Men have to feel good about what they're doing, too, before they can kind of expose themselves to other people uh, and, and feel like they're worthy. But they just know they are trodden, man. I mean, and then the what's that... happened now, by the way, you know, the, the, what you're hearing from the women is, where are the men? Where right. I, want, I want a man. I want a male. It's like, yeah, you. They're at a massage parlor, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And and but then their next oh, the next man. thing out of their mouth is I don't really need them anymore anyway, so okay, I'll be fine. Right. Um, like men need to be needed. That, that is things, the thing. They need to feel needed yeah, and appreciated. They just point. they do. Just it's the way they way point. we're wired. One of the things that we encourage our twenty somethings to do is to find a job where you have to show up, you know? Find a job where you have to go to the oh, office. Oh, yeah. Oh, I agree with that. And interchange with, interact yes, with people, 100%. right? And if your job is remote, go to a WeWork. Go hang out somewhere where yep. other people are there so that you get that interaction. Um, okay, I'm going to, one more question, and then I, I'm going to let you go because I know you have 10 other podcasts and a million things to do on your way to Washington, D.C. But so the new anxiety, I think, is going to be because I sensed a lot of it this weekend after all these stories AI anxiety. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I talked to a number of people, including in my own home, who were like, this is kind of freaking me out. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm, one of my kids got spun out by it, too. He got he started using it, and it's, it has some sort of feedback mechanism Hello? that's not healthy. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be as bad as we think, but it's, it's going to have liabilities. It, it reminds me of when the Internet showed up. We were like, "What's well, this going to destroy everything?" It didn't destroy everything, but here we are talking about all the impact right now. Uh, so, what it will be, I don't think it's it's very hard to predict. It's very hard, but watch out for people getting lost in it. That's sort of what I've seen lately. People just just this feedback is too intense in you some start way. Start talking to it and telling it to create things yeah. for them, and yeah. then they're having this conversation back and forth, and it's just another thing that they're sucked into it that's not real. It, yes, and and remember, it's designed. These things are. Not the you know, biology is squishy and, and uh, probabilistic. This is designed to hook you and keep you. It's like, very, yeah. very carefully designed it's like that the, way. The things that we've always feared about yeah. social media yeah. on steroids. Yeah. 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 Well, Dr. Drew, Good times. we got a few solutions in there. Get well, your, I'm sorry. Get, you know, Look, push, you, push you, the, no, push the time off while your children. Do what you need to do to negotiate with them, to get them away from social media for as long as you possibly can. Don't put the phone in a baby's hand. You know, discipline on your own part. Yeah, don't be afraid to set down limits on the screen. That's the main Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Just set it down, set it down hard. That's why I said about substances too. Yeah. No. 
And when they ask, what did you do when you were growing up? That's not what it's issue here. It, it, you do not have to share everything with your kids. If, and if you do share it, you're issuing a license to start right. where you left off. So what you did with screens, not a subject. Here's what I expect of you. Yeah. I always thought, you know, sharing later on when they hit like, 20, 20, yes, then 25, you can say, by yeah, the way, yeah, I did yeah. this right when you're sure. past the danger zone yes. because you're right. You're just thinking, oh, I, you know, I did that because when I was Because they'll call you a hypocrite if you say, I did it, but you exactly. can't. A little bit of love lying to them when they're younger. Not okay. lying. No, not lying. <laughs> don't, don't, seriously, don't lie <laughs> to your holding? kids. What's the word? You don't have to answer every question. Don't answer the it's, question. It's not your business. Here's don't, what right. I expect of don't you. Say, what I, I did was doesn't... perfect. I never touched no, anything. No, I'm not going to tell do you. Don't do that. No, so do say, not lie. Never right. lie to your kids because they'll figure it out eventually, and then, and then you're done. Well, you right. lie once, your kids will will yeah. let you have it. But one thing about the the suggestions we're we're putting in here, look, you, you, I was you know always trained diagnosis, treatment, diagnosis, treatment. Unless you know the problem, unless you have the diagnosis, you can't have a treatment. So a lot of what we did here is still diagnosing. Treatment will emerge. Thank you, Dr. Drew. Great to see you. you Dr. Drew Pinsky. You've been listening to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Make sure to rate and review. For more podcasts, go to foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.